When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Rudo and AJ coming to you not quite live, but we're recording it live, so it counts, right? I mean, it's live for us. True, true. So if, if we mess up, you can still call us out for it, I guess. That's how that works. Uh, we're talking NHL draft today. The Central Division specifically, they have 12 picks in the first 32 when it comes to the Central Division, including the first, the sixth, and the tenth in the top 10 across three different teams there. So a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by Craig from PHNX and then Jay from CHGO to talk about Arizona and Chicago's outlooks on the draft. But we're avalanche. We can start with the avalanche. I, this one for Colorado, eh, we've kind of already talked about. There's a pretty good chance they don't even keep this pick. It ends up being pick 27 officially now. I, if they keep it, AJ, is it a defenseman? It, does it have to be a defenseman or would they be comfortable going forward? Um... Why would it have to be a defenseman? I don't think it has to. I just know that we took a defenseman in our mock draft, so that's the yeah. off point. Yeah, I mean, it feels like... Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Um, I don't like this defenseman class. Very much. A, uh, I really don't class. like it at the top. It's a weird class, yeah. I think I think in between picks twenty and thirty-two, you could see like seven defensemen go pretty justifiably. Um, but at the at the top of the draft, it doesn't look it doesn't look very good. I like your top defenseman, top defenseman is David Reinbacher, right? Uh, seems pretty widely agreed upon that that's the case with There's... Axel Sandin Pelica is the second guy pretty good chance they don't even not a single one goes top 10 like and neither one of those guys are really kicking down the top pairing door yeah uh, with the future projections so is i i think we could be looking at a situation where the gap between sandine pelica as the second guy and the third defenseman whoever he is passive yeah is is maybe in terms of where they end up as NHL pros, not very big. Okay. But sure. like, cause if Sandine Pelican ends up on your second pairing and You're whichever, happy, yeah. you know, and, and whichever third guy that you uh, pick your favorite of like yeah. six dudes in that range. Yeah. Exa- exactly. That's going to be dealer's choice. I think, uh, especially because the guy that I, I feel is the third best defenseman might be Dmitry Simashev, and with the Russian factor this year being really yeah, enhanced, I mean, you could you have we'll Guliev in there too. It's it's yes. tough, yeah. So that's that's where and and if those guys max out, I think they're probably on second pairings. Yep. So um, that's that's one where I just I feel like when we're talking about defensemen in this draft, 
we're not looking at guys that we think are going to be pushing for top pairings, certainly early. Um, you know, if, if a guy like Brian Bacher develops over time and, you know, he smashes through that and he becomes, okay, cool, great. Um, I just, when I watch him, it does, that's not the kind of defender that I see when I, when I've watched him. You don't see the super high end flash. No, for sure. Um, the Avs, we'll see. That's that's a team we'll talk about a lot over the next month or so with the draft stuff. So we don't have to get too into it today. I did want to look at kind of the rest of the Central Division. Uh, we'll get to Chicago, as I said, Jay's coming on later. Arizona as well. So the first pick that we don't have someone coming on to talk about is ten. St. Louis, who also has 25 and then a pick in the bottom four from Dallas as well. So they have three first rounders in St. Louis, a team that actively did kind of blow it up this year. They moved out O'Reilly. They moved out Tarasenko. And I get those are pending UFAs, but they're stuck in a weird spot because they're locked into Bennington in net. Not just that, but they have four defensemen that are signed for at least $4 million and the next three years, minimum. Yeah. They've got three guys sitting at $6.5 million in Falk, Krug, and Pareko for a varying degree of time. P.S., all of them are at least 30 years old. Yeah, boy, that Pareko contract is scary. Yeah, and Nick Nick Letty is the one, he's the cheap one. He's $4 million for the next three years. He's 32 years old and was horrific last year. Yep. So, you know, and, and hell, not even just that, man. Marco Scandella, Robert Bortuzzo, Kelly Rosen. They're all signed. Their, their youngest defenseman is 29, and that's Rosen. That's so, tough. yeah. And then when you look at their, when you look at their prospect pool, Scott Perunovic is a guy that we've been talking about and talking about and talking about. He can't stay healthy. Yep. Um, so there may not be a realistic conversation with Scott Perunovich. If he can't stay healthy, it doesn't really matter how good he is. But you keep waiting for that guy to take a Callie Rosen's job, right? Yeah. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I don't think those third three first-round picks are getting used on players by the Blues. I think those are going to be packaged in deals wherever they can to try and to try and shore up the roster. Because I, I think... I think 10th might get used. The other two, I, think, I agree with you. I think 10th has a good chance to get used, but because of how things went with, uh, you know, Dallas making the, a conference final and potentially later, uh, you're talking, you're, you're talking about, you said it was 25 with the, with the yeah. Leafs pick. Yep. And, and then, then one of the last four, depending exactly, on Exactly. One of the final yeah. four picks of the first round. So you are, you are sitting here having this conversation with St. Louis where those last two first rounders are not incredibly valuable. It's yep. kind of like with Colorado, where you're just like, that 27th pick would be nice to have. This is a team that wants to play hockey and win hockey games right now. Would be a lot um, nicer to have a roster player, for sure. I mentioned I mentioned that defense is signed, and but you also look at the forwards. Every single forward that they have uh, that is under yep. contract right now is under is under contract through next year. With a couple There's, of exceptions yeah. at the bottom of their forward core. It's they and, are tied up in a lot of money, is what I'm saying. That is an organization. Yeah. That is an organization that has seven million dollars in cap spend cap uh to spend 
and doesn't have a lot of holes. They need a backup goaltender and they need a couple of depth forwards. Yeah. Those first round picks are probably best used because this is when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo's really expensive extensions kick in. Yep. These are probably best used elsewhere. It's they really only have, you know, somewhere in the range of six million dollars to spend this offseason to to shore up that that roster. So, yeah, and they don't they just don't need to spend. uh, They don't have a lot of roster holes. Sure, I I understand that, but so it's like backup goaltender and then the bottom of their forward core, yeah, bottom third fourth line guys, a couple in. Yeah. But we saw these guys at the end of the year. This group, if they wanted to go back with this group, it's just not good enough. They need to make some changes here. It it wasn't all that close to being good enough, to be no. honest. And that defense, we we talked about how the defense in their playoff series against Colorado last spring, that defense was nowhere near good enough. They yep. survived on the power on on the back of a strong offense and a good power play. Yep, and that got them to a game six in the second round. It, I mean, it's just they never really got the guy they were hoping out of Colton Pareko, right? They needed him to be the yep. do it all, all situations defenseman, and they leaned all the way in by going and getting Falk and Krug as as more offensive minded guys. Yeah, and when Petrangelo left, they turned over the keys to the number one job to Pareko, and he hasn't handled it. Yep. And to be honest with you, they have to be thrilled with what they've gotten out of Justin Falk because Justin Falk's play has improved quite a bit since getting to St. Louis. It has gotten a lot better now. The rest but, of that contract is maybe a landmine waiting to happen. but Right, and you are you are wondering how well are these guys going to age, but even if they age well, their current ability level is not good enough. Yep. Their top four on defense just isn't good enough. So, so uh, what do you mean? I know this is more of a draft focused show, but I, at 10, I think it's pray, pray that Matvei, Matvei Michkov falls. And I would say, I would say if he starts to slip down to say, he gets call, to start calling people. Yeah. Say he gets to six. All right. The top five guys, the top five forwards have gone. I, he gets I know to where six you're going. He gets to six at Arizona. Are you giving all three picks, though? I would, would. You give all three. You would I would give, give the, all th- the extra first. Yeah. Sure. What do they okay. care? Now, the thing with Montvay Mitchkov, though, even if they make that move, he doesn't help him for three years. I, I look, I think they should blow it up, to be honest with you, but. They have they have too much work to do to blow I just, it up. I, I just I know if, that's impossible to do, but if they wanted to find a home for Pavel Buchnevich. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're talking my language now. I'm about this. Bring him to me. If we're speaking things into existence. Because one thing that the Avs definitely need is another guy who's injury prone. <laughs> hey, look, they got it all out last year. It's how it works, right? It's, it's, once you do them all, they don't happen again. That's uh we can we can move on to the next team here which again skipping over arizona you have nashville who has 15 and 24 another team in a little bit of a weird spot i think you could argue they were at least close to the playoffs this year but i are a team that i just don't really understand how they're 
constructed at this point. They've steadily dismantled their defense over the last couple of years. And while Roman Yossi is still there, Ryan McDonough does help shore that up. You're in a really weird spot where you've now swapped Ekholm for Tyson Berry. And their forward core remains the same guys that it's always been at the top that have never quite ascended to true top level guys. Let me ask you something. Go for it. If they were willing to retain $3 million, would you be interested in Ryan Johansson? Yeah. Yeah. For two years at five mil? He's only 30, right? Correct. Yeah. He's coming off of a 28-point season. Yeah, but I'd, he'd get back to 40 in Colorado, assuming health. He'd get back to 40. Or possibly, you know, real numbers like 50 or 60. All right. I, I don't know that that would be my first choice this offseason, but I definitely would be something I would talk about and have that conversation if he was on the block. I'm just not sure where they go as an what they're where they are as an organization feels like the worst place to be. Yep. Your best your best players, Matt Duchesne is thirty two, Ryan Johansson is thirty, um Philip Forsberg is twenty eight and on a fresh lifetime contract at eight and a half million per. You've got Roman Yossi signed for the rest of time for nine million dollars. He's already thirty two. Ryan McDonough coming over did not solve anything for them. Yeah. Change that defense. Yeah. And at 33 years old and making just under $7 million, it's hard to believe that he's going to be the answer going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot on the back end in terms of young guys. I really like Alexander Carrier. I really like him. I don't think, I don't, I don't think he's a top pairing guy, but I just don't I just don't see where that defense goes. I don't know where this the organization has like a handful of solid players. Is that that's how I feel. They have There's plenty of like of good players. fours, fives, and sixes. Like on the defensive side, yeah. There are some good players on this roster. Great. A, a lineup of Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, and you know, who say whoever you want as a third wing Trenton or Sissons or whoever. It's a really good second line. Not really going to get it done on the top line. And you do look at their recent drafts, uh, been very, very forward heavy. Yep. Except the, the arguably their best player is UC Soros right now. And their highest pick in the last many handful of years is 11th overall in 2020 when they took Yaroslav Askarov. So that position solved, but it's just the rest of the lineup. Yeah. So what does this org do, man? Um, Cause it feels like they're kind of just stuck. Yep. They've got first round picks. You know, they've got Joe Kill, Joe Kim Kemmel. They traded for Reed Schaefer, who was a first rounder. Um, in Edmonton. Too. Uh, they've got Calfoot, they've got Zachary LaRue, uh, and, and they're going uh, over fast. They've just not, they, they, Phillip, they did all this yeah, stuff. Philip Tomasino, he's the other guy. Sure. Um, cause I don't all know All this to build a mediocre NHL roster though. 
Right, and and so you look at the strength of their prospects, though, as forwards. They have two first-round picks, and kind of like St. Louis, are we in a situation here where they might be better served? Yes, I think so. Using that second first-round pick, especially to try to try to trade for a defender somewhere that can help it, them. If you're not trading for, even if you're not trading for a roster player, they should be trading up to take a swing on high-end talent. Their problem. We have no idea what Barry Trotz is going to be like as a GM. That's very true. We really don't. And I, I say their problem, but we just don't know. We don't know what that looks like. And the assets that they have are really good for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got two firsts, two seconds, three thirds, and three fourths this year. That's a lot of well, picks. Bunch of seconds next year too, and they have a bunch of seconds next year, and they have two firsts in 2025. Yep. So the question is, what do they do with them? And it, to be honest with you, I don't know. I I just are they going to do like the Kings did and just keep these old guys and just like string out their careers and hope for yeah. the best <laughs> and and just hope that they can get they that they can rebuild around them and get the younger generation up to speed quickly enough that the end of their the old guys' careers are worth something. They play out in a meaningful way. It, I mean, the other option is full scorched earth, right? Everybody must go. That's a lot of work. It's not as uh, much as it would have been for St. Louis, but it's but, not a little bit yeah, of work. But it's a lot of work because it's a lot of money. Soros at five million signed for the next two years at age twenty-eight, and arguably should have been a Vesna finalist this year. Should be easy to move. That shouldn't it's, be very difficult. Yep. I I think that the would rest be easy of these to move. though. I mean, Roman Yossi's I, not going to go anywhere, and Phil Forsberg's not going to go anywhere. Those are going to be lifers. Yeah, I, I I think you could move Johansson. You probably couldn't move Duchesne until next year. Yeah. Uh, and and then after that, you're not too bad. You could move Barry if you wanted to. I think the thing about a guy like Duchesne, though, is that at least he's been productive. Sure. You have something to hang your hat on there as you know, value. I just don't know where the eight... I think next year when the cap takes a bigger jump, it'll be a lot easier for teams to There'll be to more be like, flexibility hey, there, sure. We're a little more willing to take on an $8 million salary here. Yep. So it's, it's, their draft it, approach, though, I mean, their draft approach should be just take whoever's there. They don't yep. have a positional one. They if they end up keeping both first round picks, they should take a defender with the second one. Full stop. So two so far in the central, the story is a bunch of teams stuck in the middle. Yeah. Well, and, and then I, I mean, you yeah, get to does the that ultimate... change? No, you <laughs> get you with get a peg, to. Yeah. <laughs> we can honestly just skip over Dallas at this point. They yeah. Yeah, they don't even don't have, have a, pick a in they, the first. They don't have a first round pick. Uh they don't have a third round pick. They are in on this group as is. They will be running it back. Uh, they already extended Pavelski, like, yeah. Yeah, they're God, dude, and he just I I can't believe he just keeps giving them a deal. You're right. The the cheap contract. Yeah, three and a half million for Joe Pavelski right right next year. At thirty eight years old, I know that like given how important he's been, that's ridiculous. Yep. It's ridiculous. Must be nice. 
Take it where you can get it, I guess. Totally. Anyway, Scoop Joe's. Huh. Winnipeg and Minnesota, who also like certainly Minnesota. Stuck are we in the renaming middle. the Calgary Zone to the Minnesota Zone here pretty it, soon? That it, 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 based on this conversation, we're renaming it to the Central Division Zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> But but it's it's the same story with with those teams. Minnesota's going nowhere until they clear their cap space issues from the buyouts, which makes it easy for them to hold on to that pick and just take whatever they get and move forward. I think. But two more years for the record. Yep. That these that the cap hits really hurt them. That's it's two more years and then of fourteen million. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's two more years of Kirill Kaprizov uh, of Wasted. his prime. Yep. They their cap issues will be like it still is one point six million, so it's not like a a negligible number, but it's a number they can work around. Yeah. Uh, going into the final year of Caprizov's deal. Yep. And, and and so you have them kind of just floating there, and then you have Winnipeg, who eliminated pretty easily as a wild card this year, have a significant amount of work to do, if not this year, then the end of next year. Tons I just and don't, tons and tons of contracts up for them. I don't know. So, this year, this year they have the huge decisions to make because you don't want to go through next year and get to free agency where you lose Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Scheifele, and Connor Hellebuck for nothing. You can't lose all yep. three guys for nothing. Uh, this year, they need to make a decision on Dubois. He's got an RFA year left. Everybody knows the Montreal conversation exists there that, you know, supposedly that's where he wants to be and whatever, whatever, whatever. But if he gets dealt to a team that is competitive and goes on a run and, you know, whatever, I'm saying, like, if he was just as an example, if he were to come to a, Col- a place like Colorado. Yep. He's the two C. They go on a deep run. Let's say they win a Stanley Cup. Is he really is he really gonna be so dead set on Montreal that he's gonna leave a place that he just won a Stanley Cup? Like I I wonder I wonder. I don't know Pierre Luc Dubois. I don't yep. his priorities have sounded all over the place in his career. Uh so I don't know what the answer to that is, but I wonder if a team dealing for him does so knowing this is just gonna be one. But that's not Winnipeg's problem. I think I think they need to try and find a home for him. I think they should try to re-sign Shifley if they can. Yeah. Um, and they should try to keep Hellebuck, but Hellebuck has, has already publicly said he's not interested in a rebuild. He's not interested in spending the next three or four years of his career backstopping a team that doesn't intend to win games. He's 30 years old. He's and he's been one of the top five goaltenders over the last half decade. He has every reason to feel this way. Yeah. I, so that's a that's a team, and they've they've drafted really heavily at forward in the last couple of years. Um, you know, with their they had uh, Rutger McGrady and Brad Lambert last year, Chaz Lucius the year before, Cole Perfetti the year before that. I just don't like it doesn't feel like Winnipeg is building to anything right now. It feels like there's a reckoning coming and it's just inevitable. And then it's going to happen and then they go from there basically. So 
I, I, I don't know that when it comes to this year's draft, I don't know that there's a ton of flexibility that they have to do with it. Now they could take this pick and try to go all in one last time this year or whatever, but I, I really think it's kind of a sit around and wait till next off season. If they don't decide to blow it up now, which it sounds like they're not going to do so. Yeah. And what they, I mean, and if, if things don't go well for them in season, then they have to be like the primary pick the bones team at the trade deadline. Team should be hungry for their players for sure. Yeah. Because uh, they've got guys, uh, you know, when Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon on expiring deals on their defense that could help a contending team as more than serviceable. Yeah. The problem is, is that in, in Winnipeg, they need to be, more than just depth guys they're playing way over their heads yeah yeah uh they've got one guy josh morrissey just had a career year if he can continue to play like that they've got a stud back there they've got a real dude that can help them but he's already 28 years old so for how many years is he going to be able to keep this up you know even if it's the next four years what do they they get it back to wherever they need to be in that time frame Yeah. yeah and so their their approach at the draft this year should probably be <laughs> we're trying to accumulate more picks this year yeah trading guys um because the sooner they can get those picks the sooner the they sooner can start they can over basically guys, yeah exactly they can get going um that's i think that's how they should do it i don't trust chevy they, to do that yeah they've always been on the patient side shall we say um <laughs> uh, all right, we have interviews with uh, with Craig and Jay coming up here. But before we get to that, we are brought to you by Fubo TV. You can go to FuboTV.com slash DNVR to order yours today and get 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. They have over 140 television channels, which you can watch, including ESPN. They've got TVs. They've got movies. I don't, AJ, do you know what the hell was going on on Bravo the other day? No, everyone was so excited about it on Twitter, and I don't know. I didn't even know what it was, but yeah, no idea. Anyway, you can you can watch whatever that was through Fubo TV. So go check them out. FuboTV.com slash DNVR today to order yours and uh, just watch television right on your TV. It's an insane concept, but Fubo TV can actually do that for you. Also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. You can go bet $5 with a new account and the DNVR code, and you get $150 in free bets when you place one on the NHL playoffs or the NBA playoffs. Nuggets going on still, so that's an option too. Go check them out. Go bet on whatever you like. Tons of different sporting options to get your money in on. Based on the F1 races, we're betting on a boat race and not a car race this this weekend. But you know, cool to see all the teams donating all the money to try yeah, to help out the area. Help out though. the area yeah. for sure. It's very cool. Uh, definitely, definitely a good thing. So you know, head on over to DraftKings. Put your money down on whatever sport you feel. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See the show notes down below for details. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-522-4700, and it's all void in Ohio. Uh, Also brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Go get yourself a delicious burrito. Ten different locations in Colorado. You can check them out. Fresh ingredients, delicious margaritas, happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. Illegal Pete's got you covered. They're just good food. 
Go check them out. Go get yourself some good food. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We're here with Craig Morgan from PHNX. First of all, Craig, thanks for joining us. You've had a busy couple of days, huh? Uh, it's par for the course. It's, it's <laughs> arena season. It's it's the off season for the Coyotes. There is always drama once the regular season ends. I don't envy you on that. I'm not going to lie to you. But it is a big off season for Arizona, not just with the nonsense, but another draft, another couple of high picks for the Coyotes. Kind of an important draft year for Arizona, no? Yeah, obviously everyone had hoped that it would go a little differently, but they, they kind of screwed themselves by winning 21 games at Mullet Arena this season. When you talk to people at the beginning of the season, they thought that possibly this was the worst roster ever constructed in the salary cap era. And then they go and win 21 games on home ice and screw the pooch when they, all you needed to do was, you know, even finish in the worst three, right? Like you're, you're talking to people now about this draft and it's five deep. So naturally, the Coyotes are picking sixth, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I, I mean, we all knew Chicago was going to win the lottery anyway. Of course, right? so, of course. <laughs> there's no big surprises on that front, unfortunately. Uh, for Arizona, I I don't want to talk down on them, but it does feel like par for the course that they end up picking sixth when they were trying to pick first, does it not? Yeah, it's... They've never moved up in the lottery. Half of the time they have moved down. And somehow, when you look at this team's history, they've never had a top two pick. Not just number one, number two. They've never finished in the top two. How is that even possible for the Coyotes? In fact, we had someone run the odds, and it's now, I think it's like a 14% chance that that could have happened in all the years of the lottery. And yet, here we are. If it wasn't for bad luck, there wouldn't be any luck at all, I suppose. <laughs> uh what what's the vibe around Arizona here? I don't want to talk down on them too bad, but historically they've had a couple of high profile misses near the top of the draft of Dylan Strom, for example. Kyle Turris, go ahead and say it. You can. Say it. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but is the organization in a better spot? Do they feel comfortable going in and, and making a pick as they're not quite there yet, as we'll talk about with Logan Cooley in a second. But pretty soon here, this organization should start to turn the corner. Yeah, I will say this. Like, from a hockey operations standpoint, I have never felt better about where the Coyotes are uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, when Bill Armstrong came in as the general manager, his immediate focus was on beefing up the scouting department. And look, you're still going to have to do it under the financial constraints that are always there with the Arizona Coyotes. But he has hired the most complete scouting staff that this franchise has ever had. And that's that's a huge deal because they had missed on so many drafts. If you look at this team's draft history, it is just brutal. And there, there are reasons for that. They didn't have the resources. When Don Maloney was the GM while the league on the team, they literally had one part-time scout canvassing all of Europe. That's You're just basically giving up. We'll just take Central Scouting's word for it and, and pick off of that list. Because you got a, like a 26-year-old part-time scout in the Czech Republic doing all your European scouting. It was a joke. So he invested in those resources. Then he invested in development when they started stockpiling some of these prospects. I have a lot of faith in what they're doing on the hockey ops side. Bill wants to stick with the rebuild. Not abandon it midstream like John Chica did when he went out and got Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel. Not abandon it like other people did when they said they were in rebuild mode. When Wayne Gretzky was here, they did the same thing. Stick with it because it's the only way that you build sustainable success. Fortunately for the Coyotes, 
they're such a financial mess off the ice that it's not like they're dying to invest in players and free agents anyway. They don't have the capital to do it. So it almost gives Bill Armstrong cover to continue doing what he's doing. It's tough. It's a tough spot to be in. <laughs> How let's let's start here before we get into this year's picks. How does Arizona currently bridge the gap? You finally got sort of a breakout year out of Barrett Hayton this year. Again, they're getting his toes wet in the NHL a little bit. Uh, you look at someone like Soderstrom on the back end. Are these guys enough to make Arizona competitive in the immediate? Or are we looking at tank part three next year? I'm not sure that we're looking at tank part three, but I, this is not a playoff team next season. Not a chance. Don't put any money down on that. I think they want to be a little better. And, and there are a couple things driving that. They, they, first of all, that core that you saw last season, I think took great strides under Andre Tourigny, who deserves so much credit for what this team was able to accomplish. It's modicum of success. Clayton Keller took a major step forward, obviously. Lawson Krause took a major step forward. Um, they, they got better goaltending than anybody ever imagined. Honestly, if they wanted to tank, I'm not sure why they signed Connor Ingram, but their goaltending tandem was actually pretty good. Um, you know, listen, a guy like Christian Fisher, maybe not as much of a, an impact in terms of production, but he's so important in this room. Nick Schmaltz has turned a corner and become more of an elite producer when he's healthy. So there are a lot of guys that have <laughs> see AJ. Yeah, you want him, don't you? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Maybe at the draft. Uh, but they, there's a lot of guys that took a steps and then they have some prospects that could be ready. Um, you saw the news, and I know we'll get to that in a minute, that Logan Cooley's going back for his sophomore season at Minnesota. But Dylan Gunther right now is just ripping up the WHL playoffs. He's leading the playoffs in goals with 16. Seattle's one win away from the Memorial Cup. So you got a guy like that, and you, you've got other prospects that you feel good about. They made some good moves on the back end, not necessarily top pair guys, but drafting J.J. Mosier when they did getting Yusuf Alamaki off the scrap heap, you know, on waiver wire. And he looks like a piece that could really help them. They made a lot of moves and these guys are developing under, Tur under Turingy. I think they'll make some moves this offseason. They're not going to go after big name free agents, maybe not even mid tier guys, but I think they will try to improve, maybe even get a guy who can grow with this core. So I think we're going to see some growth. Uh, I'm sorry for such a long winded answer, but the other half of this is something that I don't think Bill Armstrong thought about as a first time GM. At some point, that core of players gets a little frustrated with losing, 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 and they want to see progress so they can apply pressure through their agents themselves. <clears throat> Look, Nick Schmaltz was on the trade block, and I think the Coyotes wanted to trade him. I think they would have gotten a really good return for him, but that wasn't going to make Clayton Keller very happy. So Bill Armstrong has to weigh all of that into the equation now when he's deciding what to do with his team next season. I know it's still, <clears throat> I know it's still a little bit early, but... Is there is there a thought to, you know, you said that they're going to stick with this rebuild and they're not going to abandon it, you know, uh, in the middle of it. You know, if you look at the assets that they already have for 2024, they already have four second round picks and three <laughs> third round picks. 2025, they already have four second round picks and two third round picks uh, to go along with their own first. Um, where... You know, at, at what point does a guy like Clayton Keller say enough is enough here? Like, can we can we start to turn this corner or is it is it a situation where, you know, Nick Schmaltz has three years left on his deal 
Clayton Keller doesn't want Nick Schmaltz to go, but yeah. you know, it it becomes it it becomes like the slow bleed of the veterans that are helping them turn this corner. Yeah, it's a del- delicate balance, right? Uh, I don't I don't know the answer to that, AJ, because in some in, in many respects, it makes sense to trade Nick Schmaltz. He's going to be too old when they emerge from this rebuild to really be that effective a piece for them. Right now, he's probably at his maximum value given the past two seasons that he's had. So even at the draft, I still think it makes sense to explore a trade for Nick Schmaltz. But how do you manage that with Clayton Keller? What other moves can you possibly make to appease him? Because there's not a lot of skill for him to play with on this team. And if you remove Nick Schmaltz, with whom he has unbelievable chemistry, that's a big blow to Clayton Keller, especially with Cooley not coming. Who's he going to play with next season? I don't know how you balance that, but... From a just an objective point of view, I think it makes perfect sense to trade Nick Schmaltz. I think you can get a first-round asset for Nick Schmaltz. Well, they already have two. Uh, yeah. Arizona's got picks six and twelve this year. <clears throat> I think the the real domino that nobody really knows what's going to happen with him in this this draft is. It's it's Matvey Mitchkov. Yeah. Um, and you know, we talk about the the lack of luck from Arizona in terms of the, the draft lottery and moving up down and all that, but there's an opportunity there. If if Matvey Mitchkov falls to six, what's your sense from the organization now? Now obviously there's still a month to go before the draft. There's a lot concern. Can happen. Yeah, there's but concern. Where are they on him right now? Yeah, there's concern. Um it's a uh, listen. All good Russian players eventually make their way to the NHL, it seems, but we have never had the circumstances that we have now. First of all, he's under contract through 25-26. He plays for a a team, uh, a program that is very pro-Putin, anti-American, and, oh, by the way, there's a war waging right now in Ukraine, and the relations between the U.S. and Russia are maybe back to the lows they that we saw during the Cold War. So all of that as backdrop makes people very concerned about whether Matt Faye Mishkov will ever make his way over. But when you're in the Coyote situation, to me, if he's there at six, if he falls, and there are some people who think he could fall to six because of all these variables, I take a swing. You, you still have a chance to get one of the probably three best, maybe two best, one of the two best players in this draft and salvage you know, that lack of lottery luck that you, you've been experiencing your entire time in this, in this valley. I, I don't know how you pass on a talent that good. You can afford to wait. You look at the, their timeline and what they're trying to do. It makes perfect sense that they can wait till Matt Babishkov can actually come over. Um, but you got to sell that to ownership, right? You got to tell them you're going to have to wait. You know, he's going to be gone three more seasons before you, before you even get a taste of this guy. I don't know. I just don't think that he's going to make it all the way to 12. I think somebody's going to take a swing at him before then, and then you've lost out on a generational talent, maybe. Yeah, I I don't see any world in which he would get past Washington at eight, right? Like, that's an yep. obvious. Yep. If there's ever a team that was going to be comfortable with all the Russian factors, it's one that's been living with them and drafting them for 15 years. <laughs> and has a Putin spokesperson <laughs> playing for them. <laughs> Yikes. This is me sprinting away from this conversation. Uh no, but about uh, so sticking with that uh, with with this draft focus, if they don't take that Mitchkov uh, swing, you know where where do you see them focusing on it? Because six is kind of that spot where 
they're kind of hoping one of those the the top five guys falls to them and if they doesn't you know do they do they look for maybe taking a shot at one of the defenders knowing that the top two defensemen are perhaps kind of separated themselves and may not get to 12. I don't think so. I think they're still looking at forwards. Just my sense from the scouting department is that they really feel like the forwards outstrip those defensemen, even at number six. So I think they'll probably look at a forward, probably a center where they have needed help for 20 years. Um, so I, I think that's where they're leaning at this point. Um, and then maybe if one of those top couple defensemen is available at 12, they can finally Although teams say they never draft for need, this is clearly a need in their pipeline. They don't have anybody in their pipeline that you can call a top pair defenseman. So they're going to have to find that at some point or some guy who could at least maybe develop into that. What I wonder, and I, I, I don't know if this is possible, do the Coyotes have the ability to move up? Not necessarily into number one or number two. I don't think those spots are going anywhere. But could they move up into the top five by packaging assets that's something that i wonder about and if bill armstrong will explore i mean if you're trying to get somewhere in the top five it would be four with san jose right because that's the team that is still new to the rebuilding game and they're they're the one lacking a lot of the assets because they have so many veterans signed yeah that they would be i think they're they would be the obvious spot to me to hop up and try and take that swing yeah if arizona can get up there is it carlson or is it will smith well it depends on who's there um but that's, that's a good question it's probably between those two guys right i don't, I don't think if they're in the top four they're going to take the mitchkov swing because they have another player that is considered elite i mean will smith is rocketed up draft boards because of his play recently at international tournaments etc um so I, I would have to believe it's one of those two guys fair enough how how does that fit in as we can get into the news of the day for you Logan Cooley going back for his second year of NCAA if they're looking for another center how do they stack that up going forward with presumably Cooley signing at the end of next year yeah it, it just helps your depth chart right like you can't have enough center depth I, you don't win without elite centers in this league it's just not going to happen and they haven't had an elite center since Jeremy Roenick so go ahead and take another swing, get two. Who cares if you have two? That, that'll still work. I don't know who's at the top and who's at the bottom or who's in the number two slot because we don't know what these guys are going to do at the NHL level. But that gives you two top six centers, and then you've got Barrett Hayton maybe slotting in at number three where he probably belongs, Jack Bain at number four, and then you can allow Connor Geeky to develop You know, as one of those bigger-bodied guys that takes a little longer, a la Tage Thompson. Give him some time. Just let him develop at he his was- own pace always destined to be a wing anyway so it's maybe fine. we'll see yeah <laughs> bill bill has compared him to, to tage thompson and bill drafted tage thompson so we'll see i mean they they loved tage thompson at the time and he was a slow developer i'm not saying he's this that connor geeky's going to be tage thompson but that's who he likened him to so they're they're content to let him develop this would allow them to do it even more so because there would be no pressure to get him in the lineup i do uh I mean, you mentioned that they don't have a top defensive prospect. And for me, it just feels like, look, I I totally get it. If they were to move up, I think that makes a lot more sense than just sitting at six. If they sit at six and and Mitchkov is there, they should do that. Yeah. If if they don't, I, I, and if they don't move, I think it's crazy to go for a forward. I, I do. I just think that, 
at some, like I know you're not supposed to draft for need, but at some point you look at this Coyotes system and you look where they are in the NHL right now. And even if you remove Schmaltz, you still have, you know, you know, Keller and Kraus and, and Hayden and Matias Michelli just had a very good rookie year. Uh, and then Dylan Gunther is on his way. You know, you just look at that forward, you look at the pipeline and you're like, these are really unbalanced. You have a ton of forwards that are coming that are on the way and no, no real defenseman that jumps off the ice as, as a guy that is going to be a high impact guy for you. It feels yeah. like at best, there's a lot of like middle pairing guys. Yeah. And that's generally what you get at those picks, right? You're not getting a top line guy out of those picks. Um, but the, the problem I think is the evaluation of defensemen in this draft. Uh, there are some people, scouts or analysts who think Reinbacher could be, a number one defenseman. They're not convinced he's a top pair defenseman. There may not be a top pair defenseman in this draft. So that's that's your issue, right? Maybe you wait for another year when the draft is deeper. But then again, you also factor in the reality that defensemen take so damn long to develop that sometimes you just don't even know what you've got when when you're drafting a an 18 year old kid, which is why the draft age should be higher. But we won't get into that today. Well, we agree. We're not going to get the draft age higher, but. Nope. You You're can not. use Logan Cooley as an example. Craig, you were talking about a little bit before we jumped on. Two years, the new normal for NCAA kids, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. And I, I again, it's like I, I expected this decision from Logan Cooley even before the vote went bad for the Coyotes on the new arena. Uh, a lot of guys have been doing this. Actually, I was talking to Josh Doan, who knows him really well, and Josh thought he was going to go back. I Josh even told me that Matty Nyes was seriously considering going back for another year at Minnesota, so... A lot of guys have been choosing this route, thinking one year is not enough. It gives you time, especially when you're in a like a program in the Big Ten or if you were at ASU, because of the facilities that you have available to you and the, the training program, you can really beef up your body. You can build up your body into more of a man's body with that extra year of development. And I think that's what he's focused on. Do you think that the focus is when they make the jump from the NCAA, is that it's straight to the NHL? And For Logan Cooley, it is. For well, and top five picks are a little bit different, a uh, little different reality than a guy like a Josh Stone. But I, I do wonder how much of it is that guys feel like they're getting stuck at the AHL level. Um, and this is league wide because when I look yeah. at it, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have jumped in Colorado. They make that leap and then they end up hard, hard capped at the AHL where they have a really hard time getting games in the NHL. And I wonder if they're using those facilities and they're saying. I'm going to be as physically ready as I can for that jump so that I'm not spending a lot of my time in the American league and I'm getting straight to where I want to go. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely a fair point. And I, I really don't have much to add because you kind of nailed it. Um, it's interesting though. Like you look at a guy like Josh Dillon though, he did stay two years. So I, I, I guess he already, he already uh, checked that box, but you go to the AHL, you go to Tucson, you're not going to have those same weight training facilities. You're not going to have, let's, let's be honest. Most of the AHL facilities are not, what a, a Pac-12 or Big Ten program is going to offer you. So you wonder at times, should Josh have stayed yet another year at ASU? There are some people who really thought he needed more development time at ASU. But I'll say this for Josh. Once he showed up for the AHL playoffs, he played really well, and they were pleasantly surprised by him. So I, I suppose it's on an individual basis. But in general, what you said, I think, just kind of covers it all. It nails it. it uh, my final question 
the turning point for Arizona? Is it 2025? Is that the year where they really start to need to compete? Are they in an arena then? Do they have an arena? I don't know. <laughs> Do they need an arena to compete? I mean, throw them out there on any ice. They're good to go. <laughs> the 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 plan had been all along that that 25-26 season when they're supposed to move into a new arena was when they would be emerging from this rebuild. That's a little in doubt right now, obviously. And if you're talking about Mishkov, he's not coming over for another year. So, But that's around the time when they had hoped to emerge from this. Now, like I know you guys weren't going to ask me about the arena, but it's kind of hard to avoid the topic because it filters into everything they're doing. My take here is I know they're looking at a number of sites, and I'm going to have a story tomorrow sort of looking at some possibilities that actually haven't been thrown out there yet that might make the most sense for the Coyotes. I don't think they can extend the timeline at Mullet. I don't think the Board of Governors is going to have the patience to say, yeah, we know you're already there three years. Let's throw two more on. No problem. Who cares if we're losing revenue? Who cares if the players are unhappy? Who cares if the new PA head is really pissed off about this situation? We'll just, we'll just give you two more years because Gary says so. I don't think they get to extend this timeline. I think whatever they do on the arena front needs to stay on that same timeline with Mullet where they're there for three more seasons and then they're moving into a new arena. What works for them on, in this regard is they're not cleaning up a dump site now, which was going to take like eight months or longer. So they have all that time to get going on this new site. We'll see how it all plays out. But I mean, asking me when they're going to emerge, when you look at the draft and the pieces that they're putting together, it makes sense that it's around 2025 that this team should be ready to start competing legitimately. No easy decisions for Arizona Coyotes. It's never never easy. (laughs) Uh, Craig, we're going to let you go. We appreciate you jumping on and and talking a little bit of draft and Arizona update with us. Uh, Thank you so much. For everyone else, we are brought to you by Shady Rays. You can get yours at ShadyRays.com. Check out their sunglasses when you use code DNVR. You get 50% off when you order two pairs or more. And if you don't like them, you break them, you lose them in the first 30 days, they'll replace them for totally free. Again, ShadyRays.com. Use code at DNVR when you purchase third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast we're here with jay zawoski from chgo thank you for joining us jay been a been a pretty good time for you guys the last week or so eh yeah it's been uh kind of surreal from winning that draft lottery to then talking to a bunch of people who cover Connor bedard um in the aftermath it's been i don't know it's it's it was unexpected and it, we were all hopeful but you know, kind of just playing it safe and not getting our, our hopes up. And, and then it happened and everything changes. It, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but there is zero doubt. It's Bedard 100%. Yeah. There's no way they're going to, they're going to, you know, go galaxy brain and take Anna Fantilli or something. There's, there's no shot. Uh, if it was Stan Bowman, I'd be a little more worried about it. Um, but with uh, Kyle Davidson at the helm, They've, they can't say his name, but they've pretty much talked around it. We had Mike Donaghy, the, uh, their uh, director of amateur scouting on, and I wanted to kind of get him into admitting they were going to take uh, Bedard. And I said, how many generational players are in this draft? And he said two with a smile. Just try, I think they're trying to throw people off, but there's no way in hell they're not taking count of Bedard. There's no way. I, yeah, I certainly Based on recent draft history, I think this has been one of the most clear-cut first overalls in a in a good long while. So feels like he would have gone first last year if he was <laughs> honestly probably would have. Yeah, he he might have gone first two years ago. 
yeah. if they if he could have been drafted, to be honest. Yeah. So He's it's exciting. That caliber of talent. Yeah. Yep. It's gonna be fun for you guys. But even with an easy first one, still a lot of work for Chicago to do. They have another first round pick at 19, and then four second round picks. I mean, let's let's start here. That's a lot of picks. Are they gonna make them all? Kyle Davidson pretty much said no. He pretty much said there's no way we're going to make all these selections. Like he he flat out said it. Like much. It's it's way too many picks. And look, like yeah, you want to have these assets and you want to be able to take as many lottery tickets as you can, right? But I think what they have in mind now, especially with landing the number one pick and presumably drafting Connor Bedard, is they're going to be looking to either trade up in the draft to try to get maybe from 19 to like 11 or 10 or they're going to use some of those assets and trade for some players because I think for any team, regardless of where they are in the rebuild, when you get Connor Bedard, you kind of owe it to him to put something around him. That's going to help him. Like you don't want to waste years of Connor Bedard and they're not going to go for the cup next year by any means, but it certainly accelerates thing. We had uh, Chris Peters on the other day from uh, flow hockey and this was before the draft lottery. And he said, Connor Bedard is the shortcut. He is the shortcut through the rebuild. Uh, so the Hawks got it. And now they are sort of obligated to find somebody to play with him. And you look at teams with um, uh, cap woes. You know, you look at Vancouver, maybe somebody like Connor Garland or Brock Besser. Uh, they need to move salary. So the Hawks can probably get them a little bit cheaper than it would be under a normal circumstance. Um, Toronto might be looking to move some things around and just sort of shake things up and they have no draft capital. So maybe they're looking to add some draft capital. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. The thing about it is with Bedard and with this just glut of draft picks, the Hawks have all the power in the world, right? Like they can pretty much do whatever they desire to do. Uh, and it's short of trading that first pick, which they're not going to do. They've got cap space. They've got draft assets. Like they are, they're sitting on top of the world right now. They could do whatever they want this summer. Multiple first round picks in future years as well. So yeah, they really do have a ton of assets. Yeah, six first round picks over the next three years. Do you think that <clears throat> you know talking about how Bedard is the shortcut? Do you think that that changes the entire pers- perspective of the in uh, of the organization of? Last year it was, we're just tearing it all down. We're just starting this rebuild. It's going to be a couple of years, but now they get the Bedard pick. And do you think that that says by the end of his ELC, we should be in the playoff. We should be in the playoffs. I think that's, I think that is, yes. I think that's certainly on in the card. So it would be a, th- you know, rookie deal is a three-year deal. Everyone yeah. knows he's going to start the season at the NHL next year. So mm-hmm. in three years, should the Hawks be competing for a playoff spot? I would say so. Um, they're not going to sign a- any big free agents this summer. They might bring in Max Domi again, people like kind of on that level like they did last year. I already mentioned potentially taking on, uh, helping a team with some salary and taking on somebody like Besser or Garland or something similar from another team. But that 2024 free agent class, all of a sudden, that looks very appealing, you know. And and if you don't want to make a big bid for Austin Matthews, which is understandable, maybe you wait a year, go for Leon Dreisaitl. Maybe you try to go for two guys at seven or eight million that are going to add some depth to the team. I'm not really sure. I just know right now they're not looking to say like screw the rebuild, we're all in. 
that's not going to happen. They're still sticking to the plan, um, but they do sort of have to bring in a little bit of help for him this year. They they because you don't want him just on an island. Do you think that uh, uh, we've talked a lot about JT Comper going back uh, and him being the the hometown kid that they yeah. could you know he's got championship experience and then if Bedard is going to be your one C then you know you could bring in Max Domi to be the two C and Comfort to be your three C. Um, there yeah. you go. I just built your centers for you. The team's a hell of a lot better that way too. And and I I don't think they've actually given up on the shot of Lucas Reichel being a center. Uh, I know Bedard is small, they but should. he's a prospect. Yeah, I think Reichel is going to be a winger. Um, I yeah. think it, that's just how his game is. But yeah, Comfort's a name we've brought up for sure. Uh, not only because of the local ties, but it just kind of makes sense as to the kind of guys that Davidson's looking to bring in. He's talked about depth. He's talked about experience and character. Comfort checks all those boxes. Uh, another name to keep an eye on would be like Alex Kalorn from Tampa. That's another guy who is sort of, you know, kind of in the same mold of Comfort, right? Not a superstar by any means, but a really nice kind of B-level, uh, higher-end B-level player that on a lesser team is probably much more relied upon and in a bigger role. Um, the Hawks had a ton of those during the dynasty, you know, guys like uh, Shaw and Saad and, and Versteeg who went elsewhere and played in, in elevated roles. Now the Hawks need to bring in some guys kind of on that level. You, you talked a little bit about that second pick and potentially moving up. Is that for Chicago to just pound home another forward or are they potentially looking at defensemen there? I know you guys have Korchinski coming and, and Vlasic as well, but what does that prospect pool look like? Uh, defensively, they're pretty well. I mean, th- they believe, and, and I think most people around hockey believe that Kevin Korchinski, if he reaches a ceiling, will be a true number one puck mover. As far as a defender, not sure yet. You know, it's really early to tell. He's too young to go to Rockford next year. So he, he, I, I believe he'll start the season in Chicago, then head back uh, to Seattle and you know be their captain, be their leading scorer, all those sort of things. They're very heavy on the left side. They don't have a ton of right side defensive prospects, but I would think if they trade back <clears> up, <throat> let's say they go from 19 to 11 or 12 or 13 or somewhere in there, part of it would be the hope that Mitch Kov slips, but I don't think he's slipping past yeah. Washington. There's no way. If he gets to Washington, We're in the same boat, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think the next pick would also be a forward. Okay. I think they're pretty happy with Seth Jones. Isn't going anywhere. He's locked up long term, and I like Seth Jones. But it's an unmovable albatross deal. Not his fault. I would sign the same thing if it was offered to me. Um, Connor Murphy's got three years left. He's gonna if he doesn't wear a C, he'll wear an A on a sweater for sure. They've got another year left in Nikita Zaitsev, who they took on just to sort of you know, get some assets back. Um, so when you're looking at the D pool, you mentioned Vlasic, you mentioned Korchinski, but they've also got um, Wyatt Kaiser, who finished the year in Chicago. He's 20 years old. Ethan Del Mastro, who played a big role for Team Canada in the World Juniors. Uh, Isaac Phillips, who was up and down with Chicago this year. Uh, Nolan Allen, who was a first-round pick a few years ago, is really coming into his own. Another guy playing with uh, Seattle. Um, so they've got no shortage of defensive prospects. Whether or not they're high end, we're not sure yet. But with Korchinski and and then you know the the rest, they feel pretty good at D. So I think that second first round pick, whether it's a 19 or up, it's going to be another forward. It's really interesting to go from having the Coyotes conversation with Craig, <laughs> which was last segment, and uh, 
where they have all the forwards in the world and they're really starting to scramble for some defenders. And then Chicago's like, man, we're good. We're well, good. When we, when we talked to Donahue this week, um, he mentioned <clears throat> the reason they took Korchinski last year and Renzel last year was because they looked at this draft and said, this is more forward heavy. There's not as many great defensive prospects here, which is kind of a shock for Hawks fans because when Stan Bomo was GM, it was always like the year in front of me. I'll just deal with the year in front of me. We'll deal with the future in the future. Davidson's got this long-term view of saying, because I remember when the pick came up and Nazar was on the board and they went Korchinski and said, we're like, what are we doing? Like, this is an off the, it's like an off the radar pick at, at this point. And then it worked out that, oh, hey, okay, Korchinski is better than I think we thought he was. And then they still get Nazar at 13. Um, that was done deliberately because deliberately because they knew um, that this drive class was was not as, as deep with defensemen. It definitely. Can we go back to the, the old way where you let the Bowen Byram fall to the abs instead? Is that, is that an option that we can go back to? Turned into Frank Nazar. So I guess if we want to kind of spin it optimistically and hope that Nazar works out and nothing against Kirby doc, but man, it was just, that is such a typical Bowman thing. The obvious pick is right there. It's right. Just do it. Just take the obvious pick. Just do it. And he just refused year after year after year. And look, some of them worked out like Henry Okahari was a nice player. Doc, when he's not hurt, played well with Montreal. Nolan Allen, who everybody laughed at when they picked him, is turning into a pretty decent prospect. But they're all reaches. You know, you can get him trade down two or three spots if you really love the guy. Um, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. And again, nothing against Kirby Doc, but it's just Byram was right there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't overthink it. <laughs> no complaints from our side. Yeah, I put it that way. But uh, to get back into this year's drafts, trade up 19 one way or another. Is is there a guy you guys have, have focused in on in the middle of the first round that, that you like it forward? Uh, it, well, it depends on which of the hosts you talk to. Um, I'm a big of fan of Gabe Perot. Uh, son of Yannick Perot. He is uh, a Blackhawks uh, like assistant, like a development coach, and just tore it up in the NTDP this year. 132 points in 63 games um, with the U.S. national team. Uh, I know Andrew Crystal is a guy the Hawks like, but he's not a great skater, and that's like the thing they're kind of prioritizing the most. Uh, Ryan Leonard is probably not going to slip down to 19. That's one of the guys I think they'd maybe trade up for. Uh, Zach Benson, really nice prospect. Will Smith, who is suddenly like over the last, I may correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it feels like to me over the last maybe month or so, that name is just skyrocketed. And they're, I don't think five now. Yeah. 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 There's no way he's going to be there. But I mean, you just go through it and you look at any of these forwards uh, like projected in that range. I don't think there's really anyone off the board. I would just, I would be shocked if it wasn't a forward. That, like that would be an absolute stunner to me if they if they don't take a forward. And what's nice about the uh, another a- aspect of the Bedard thing is you've got this now. If there's like a guy that you're like, mm, we're not sure, or maybe he's three or four years away, and take you that swing. Take, yeah, you take the swing, and that's what they did with Renzel last year when they said, look, we got three first round picks. Maybe let's take this guy a little high and hope you know that the, the the lottery ticket cashes because he's. You know, he was in 11th grade when he was drafted. He had to go to the USHL and play for Waterloo because he was too young. And now he's going to he's going to Minnesota uh, to play in college, which is great. 
<laughs> but that's the luxury, right? Is when you've got these assets, you can kind of take a swing here and there. So we'll see. But I, I, I would say 90% shot wherever that second pick happens at the forward. Since this has come up a bunch, Craig talked about this as well. He's big time in favor of raving, raising the draft age. Would you like to see that? Or are you happy with that at 18? Uh, I, well, I mean, I get what is his argument that guys get in the league faster? Is that the is that the idea? It's partially that. It's partially just kids that young. You don't know what you're really drafting, even in a lot of yeah. cases. You can see that. I, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it until you just said it, but I, I it feels like though the kids taken at the top usually they pan, yeah. pan out in one way or another, right? Like it's not there's no huge swings and misses. Maybe it, you know seven is better than four eventually, but all those top you know top ten top fifteen guys usually pan out. So I don't know. I'd have to think more. I I need to. I'm I'm sure Craig will write about it as it is May. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's pretty busy this May. He's he's had a lot of work to do. <laughs> but I want I, I, I want to hear his. We had him on yesterday. Actually, it's funny that didn't come up. Um, but uh, I want to hear his whole theory first, and then I'll. I'll have my opinion because I haven't, I haven't really thought about it. Fair enough. Just a just a random thought there. I just wonder what you would do with a guy like a Connor Bedard where you're like, come on, he's already had to wait two years. Right. He's clearly ready to go. Yeah. 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 Right. Then you start talking about exceptional status, which is a mess already in juniors. Yeah. That gets weird. Well, uh, I think anyway. It happens. So uh, Bedard has to go back into the draft pool and the Coyotes have a chance again. <laughs> there the secret comes out that's that's what it's really about right there uh I, I know you mentioned this a little bit earlier but just to solidify coming out of the rebuilds it is this i know you have bedard so it's hard to truly tank it out this year but is 2025 the target for playoff contention again for chicago they have not put a date on it um for i think it's very wise of them to not because if something yeah. happens and they fall short, then, hey, what happened? You said 2025. To me, that sounds about right. Um, the 2024-25 season, if they don't get in, they should be like sniffing a wild card spot, I would think. I think it all depends on how free agency goes for them in 24 and how serious they want to get. And look, as sure thing as Bedard is, we haven't seen him play yet at the NHL level. So how quickly is he going to transform a team that is truly without any sort of star player at forward, aside from Reichel, who has played what 20 NHL games or whatever it is. Like he's also not proven. He, he looked really good in his last call up and looked ready and was the best Hawk on the ice most nights, but we still don't know what his ultimate projection is. So to expect Bedard to come in and just turn them into a winner, it's just not going to happen there, uh, you know, unless of course they make some big trades, bring some guys in, but I do think they're going to make a big swing in 24, you know, July 1st, 2024, uh, hopefully land one of those big fish or two decent sized fish. <laughs> and then from there, you've got Korchinski should be here full time. Allen will be here full time. Del Mastro Reichel will have four years under his belt. Bedard will have two and they should be, they should be ascending by that point. That I think that's the expectation. Just, just out of curiosity, um, I know that this would require a couple of different things to go certain ways. But how did 
how did the relationship end with Alex DeBrincat in Chicago? I think he was a little bit, I don't want to say pissed, but probably disappointed is probably a better word. Um, I think when shocking things like this happen to a player who feels established, feels like he's really made a home in Chicago, um, there is that that hurt at first. But I think with a little bit of time to reflect and think about it, uh, it's, it's a business, you know? And look, yeah. like people are using the term forced out with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. It's like they're at the end of their careers. They're in their mid thirties. They don't help the Blackhawks in any way. And if you want to define that as forced out, fine, it's business. They've got a plan. They're executing it so far. It's working. Um, so I, I think and hope Alex to bring decides that I don't sense any sort of bad blood at all. So like I know a, a, a couple people have said, look, if Ottawa can't get it done, maybe he'd come back. My concern with that is you've got Bedard, you've got Reichel who are two similar players in style where they're not big. They're yeah. not physical undersized at a certain point. Yeah. At some point you've got to add a little beef up front. Um, and look, I, if Alex DeBrinket wants to come here, I'm not going to say hell no, but I think they'd have to seriously consider, okay, if we're going to do this, how does the rest of the team fill out? Um, I think that they are probably looking elsewhere to bring in, talent with a little bit of size a little bit of grit um boy i wish matthew kachuk was available (laughs) i just love that guy so much damn um anyway but somebody like that please would be really nice (laughs) you could always you could always offer florida the bedard pick no (laughs) no we won't be doing that (laughs) that might be what it costs if he drags him to a cup this year yeah Yeah, no kidding (laughs) if you were florida you'd say yes to that right you have to. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially if they right. win. <laughs> uh, I'm good. Any other questions, AJ? Uh, I think I'm set. All right. Jay, thank you for coming on and, and doing this with us. We appreciate you taking the time out so we could get a little bit of a, a central division draft look for everybody. Uh, we are going to wrap up today's show. We appreciate all y'all watching, listening, hanging out with us. We're off for the weekend, but back Monday with uh, more off season and more draft. So we will talk to you then.